Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show with me, Adam Bayfield, and Tony Kerr. Hey. How's it going, Tony? Yeah, good, thanks. Good. It was just like three in three weeks now. Three in a row. Three in a row. Hat trick. Yeah. Lots to talk about tonight. Lots of cricket to get into. We're at your gaff for this one, around your place. Yeah, I've made you drive all the way out here to do it on your birthday. It is my birthday, so, yeah. Happy birthday. On behalf of all of the listeners, happy birthday. On behalf of English cricket, <laughs> on behalf of the ICC, happy birthday. I forgot that they made you the official <laughs> spokesman uh, recently. No, thanks very much. The MCC. I mean, I guess it goes to show just how angry I am about the Johnny, <laughs> the Johnny Bairstow dismissal. I've uh, given up my birthday evening to come here. I've actually been thinking about it all day. People have been wishing me happy birthday, and I'm like, huh, what? And I'm just like grinding my teeth in the corner, uh, thinking about the Johnny Bairstow dismissal, which we're going to get into. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much. It's nice to be here in uh, in your place. It's only like the second or third time I've been here. Yeah, I'll try to keep you away. We're recording in the shadow of the big TV, <laughs> in, the, in the foothills of the big TV. I've just uh, been admiring your turf out there. Yeah, I've got a small but perfectly formed patch of lawn now, which needs constant upkeep. I was very impressed with it. Yeah. We were... Uh, we were discussing mowers uh, on, on the way in, so that uh, goes to show we're over 40 now. Um, but anyway, let's talk about the Ashes. Uh, so I don't know whether you noticed that there was a test match at Lords this week, Tone. It's another quiet one, another snooze fest. Not much to talk about. Well, it certainly was the day I went, yeah. Yeah, you I, were there. Well, I was there on Friday, and it was the least... Um, what's the word? I, I had a great day, um, yeah. You know, some beers were, were drunk, um, chat was had, but yeah, it was the least kind of uh, incident-filled day of cricket um, we've had for a while. <laughs> well, I mean, there were some incidents, of course, but um, you sort of yeah woke up with very, very high hopes on uh, on Friday morning that was going to get there and, and see Brooke uh, score a big ton. Um, us put ourselves, us England put ourselves into a position um, to win the game. Um, yeah, but nothing of the sort. So you were there with London correspondent Gordon McRae, I believe. Correct. Correct. What was his chat? Uh, what did he make yeah, of it? Yeah, you know, he, was, he was passable company on the day. <laughs> <laughs> he did his best. Um, yeah, no, we we weren't uh, we weren't kind of we weren't well, I say we weren't glued to it. We weren't um, in raptures. <laughs> we weren't glued to it. <laughs> no, we weren't enthralled by it. Um, I, you know, it was just it was just a, a, a bit of a meh day, wasn't it? And yeah, England were to put it politely, pretty limp on the day. So yeah. Yeah, that was a particularly bad day for you to go and see. I was thinking about it because the only day of Ashes cricket that I've ever been to see, obviously been to, I think, I think I've been to every test ground apart from Trent Bridge, seen lots of test matches over the years, but the only Ashes test I've been to was the Headingley test in 2001, 22 years ago, which you might remember, a very, very famous test where Mark Butcher scored that incredible 173, uh, won England the game. In that, that was the only test England won in that series, lost the series 4-1, but it was an astonishing performance, very, very memorable day. That isn't the day I went to. One of the reasons that innings was so remarkable is because the entire fourth day had been washed out <laughs> and he had to score those runs on the fifth day. I was there for the fourth day, literally sheltered under an umbrella all day, then got the train back to Manchester and flew home. Fantastic. <laughs> and actually, no, I think I got the train back the next day, so missed, <laughs> didn't even see it on the TV because I was travelling. 
So that's my Ashes experience. So yours was actually mar- marginally better. Yeah, than we that. did see some cricket. Uh, yeah, to be fair, although uh, me and Gordon, we 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 haven't got a great record together either. We went to one of the games at the Rose Bowl, West Indies, South Africa, mm-hmm. at the World Cup. Um, saw about five six overs maybe eight overs and then uh, the day was washed out so yeah <laughs> and you weren't glued to those I certainly weren't glued to that <laughs> um very very quickly then just to remind people of what happened in this game england won the toss put australia in but it didn't go very well for england on the first day steve smith posted a century uh, as australia racked up 416 and um, they england did pull it back a little bit and it seemed like they were getting themselves right back into the game uh, when in response, they were at one stage 188 for one with Ben Duckett going very well. He was out for 98 and England kind of threw wickets away, uh, went after the short ball. It didn't go very well. They were eventually all out for 325. So that was a pretty decent lead for Australia. Again, England fought back well. They dismissed Australia in the end for 279. Uh, but that was still a, a pretty uh, imposing target at 371. They got off to a dreadful start. They were 45 for four when Ben Stokes came in. And then it, it was real drama on the final day, Tone, wasn't there? Duckett made 83. Uh, Johnny Bairstow was dismissed in totally uncontroversial fashion. Yeah, stumped, move on. Um, <laughs> to leaving England 193 for six. And that's when Ben Stokes turned it on, went through the gears. Felt like maybe it was going to be headingly 2019 all over again. Uh, but he was uh, eventually out for 155 and then it all fell apart quite quickly after that and England were all out for 327 to give Australia the victory um, by, what was it in the end? 40-something. 40-something runs and they take a 2-0, I was going to say an unassailable, maybe it is, they take a 2-0 lead in the series. Um, There's lots to talk about here, Tone, some controversial incidents, um, but ultimately... I mean, would it be fair to say that Australia were the better team here and deserved the victory? Yeah, uh, yeah, on balance. I mean, uh, oh yeah, you've got I, to I get... couldn't have made that. I couldn't have sounded more begrudging. I think <laughs> in the way I said that, but yeah, but I, I mean it. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you up to a point. I mean, I don't. England weren't clearly England weren't outclassed or haven't been outclassed in either of these two tests. They've. It's really it's quite complicated, isn't it, to kind of to assess the balance of it because. England have been in more than one position in each match where they probably should have put the, you know, kind of put them to the sword and and, and um, secured the win. Neither of that, or, you know, it's happened neither time. So they'll be kicking themselves that they aren't at least one all, if not two nil up. I mean, it could easily have been with a few, um, uh, you know, with a few sort of different uh, outcomes in, in significant moments. That's sport, isn't it? But um yeah. yeah, it could have gone another way. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, Australia also deserve credit because, you know, they've turned up and played well and they are a very, very good side with lots of great players. Um, they've also had their own kind of moments that haven't gone their way. And you know, obviously in this test line, um, getting injured. Um, so, yeah. Well, yes. And, and as you say, they, in a lot of ways, they didn't have the rub of the green here and yet they still won. I did feel in the first game, it was sort of the other way around. There were a few things that didn't quite run England's way. But in this test, you know, obviously, well, Australia have actually lost both tosses and this one felt like quite an important toss. England didn't take advantage at all. Um, Australia posted, you know, 400 plus, which was a very impressive effort. Could have been more actually at one point, but nonetheless, very impressive effort. And as you say, Nathan Lyon being injured, you know, missed an innings and two thirds. Um, so to be without a spinner on a pitch that, you know, would have offered him something. Yeah, they had lots of things against them in this game and they still ran out 
winners. It was closer than it looked like it was going to be. But, you know, in the end, as I say, I think they were, you've got to say the better team here. Steve Smith was outstanding. Usman Khawaja, Travis Head batted very well too. And the fast bowlers, as we know, are just superb. They're kind of, they're, you know, back together, got the band back together here. Um, Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood. There was some questioning of their tactics on the final day. And obviously it ultimately paid off, but perhaps they, you know, it, they did slightly lose the plot. They were slightly rattled again, maybe thinking about what happened at Headingley. But ultimately they, you know, they, they, they bowled very, very well. And that's probably one area we'd say that their bowlers have been a lot better than England so far. All that said, I do agree with you. I think possibly some people are getting a little bit carried away in suggesting. I've seen a few suggestions that, you know, oh, there's a bit of a golfing class between these teams. I don't think that's true at all. I think they are very evenly matched. I think Australia were, you know, by a reasonable distance, the better team here. But I think England were the better team. Um, or I think you can at least make an argument that England were the better team at Edgebust. And it, was, it certainly could easily have gone England's way there. So we could be talking about one all here, as you say, that sport. But I don't think, I don't think this is like which I've seen from a few people again. I've been spending too much time on Twitter, Tone. <laughs> Thankfully, Elon broke it. So. I, mean, I literally exceeded my rate limit yesterday. Um, but some some tweets I've seen from some you know reputable people sort of talking about how this kind of proves that this is broken basball. This is you know shown up basball as a as a there was a, there was a kind of myth around you know it. I don't think that's true. I think England have played. They certainly played very, very well at Edgbaston. I think they had a couple of bad days here, but also had a couple of good days. I think they, you know, at times they, they played well. But Australia had key performances from their their big, big names like Steve Smith. And, you know, perhaps ultimately we will see in this series that they are the better team, but I don't think it's by miles. And I think the fact it's 2-0 and it kind of feels like the Ashes is over, I think that is unfortunate because actually I think it's it is a lot closer than that would suggest. Yeah, I mean, it, well, I mean, sorry, we're literally in the same position as we were after two tests of the last series in Australia. It's been a very, very different series in the way it's played out so far. Yeah, I mean, any permutation is still possible, I think, here. Uh, even England winning 3-2. And, you know, we'll come on to the thing that will have put a bit of extra fire in the belly, of course. But, um, yeah, I don't, the whole basketball thing, no one know, no one actually knows what they're talking about when they say basketball. What it is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and, and neither... You know, the answers that Stokes and McCullum give in particular don't really paint any extra light exactly on what, whether there is any genuine substance, you know, do you know what I mean? It's like... Well, they don't like the exactly, term. Exactly. It, it, yeah. it almost been put to bed, but then it's like gone into overdrive in the last few weeks. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, Rishi Sunak was talking about, was talking about how <laughs> it, we need to inject a bit of basketball into, uh, into it's a good thing Johnson's not still there. I can imagine him being all over that. Yeah, I think there's been a, like, it did annoy me a bit there was a, there seemed to be this kind of moral panic about basketball <laughs> yeah. after england kind of collapsed um on that second day and they were in a very big, very good position and that was frustrating but you know the, on i was listening to test match special and agnew and co were really like uh animated about that and talking about vaughan in particular was talking about how this is, is stupid cricket and this shows like the limits of basketball and all of that as you say what is basketball is a kind of uh dissertation question isn't it um but if we just take it to mean trying to play in a sort of positive way and backing yourself and what stokes would say is that and take risks i guess yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. like calculated risks but like the total kind of clarity and confidence that you know that the the 
batters know that they have the confidence of the management to yeah. to take those risks and, and play that yeah, way. And a, a counterpoint to the preceding X number of years, which was kind of characterized by batsmen looking like, well, just scared or just, just basically not really able to, to play with any freedom. And, and, you know, the sort of match tactics being pretty sort of drudgy back foot, kind of safer rather than mm. whatever. So, yeah. Well, that's exactly it. And as I said last time, for me, it's not just that this is like, we've got a back baseball because it's more entertaining. It's actually England's best strategy to win. So for all that Agnew and co are going on about how England should have reined themselves in and, and tried to, you know, duck out the way of the short ball or not take the short ball on. I mean, I do agree with that up to a point because it was very frustrating to see them kind of falling into such an obvious trap in the first innings. But let's not forget that 18 months ago, they could barely scrape 200 against this Australian attack. And it's more or less the same lineup. Like, was it like six times in that, five or six times in that series that they were bowled out for less than 200? If they try to play, like if they just sort of stand there and kind of prod and poke around, they are going to get out because they're, they're not, they can't play in that way. And even, you know, they were singing the praises of Ben Stokes in the first innings because he did rein himself in but he was eventually out for 18 versus like Ben Duckett who took it on and scored 98 so anyway that frustrated me a bit like I don't think we should be writing off Basball on the basis of one or two bad days here when you look at the results they've had over the last year and then as you say the results that they'd had the you know in the years before that clearly this is the way for England to go it may not work here because Australia might in the end be too good but it's let's not panic about the strategy. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, pre-series, it looked like a very, very hard one to call. The two sides, given the, oh yeah, on balance, looked, well, I mean, we both, I think, said 3-2, did we not? Uh, you went 2-all, I think. Oh. Yeah, d- still running around, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, we both were sort of dancing around 2-all, 3-2. Um, You've given yourself a bit of kind of latitude <laughs> yeah. to, yeah, a bit of flexibility um, with your prediction. But, but and, yeah, and, and so it's proved, but yeah, both games have been extraordinarily close. Um, sort of roll on the next one. Really. I mean, I mean it, it's... Does it feel like it's over? They're, I don't they're, think they're it does. They're 2-0 down. Only one team has ever come back from 2-0 down in the Ashes and won 3-2, and that was Donald Bradman's Australia in the 1930s. And obviously Australia hold the Ashes, so... If it finishes two all, they'll retain them. So England have got to win all three games. Yeah, and I think I said this in the last Ashes series in England, though, that if Australia don't win the series, that will be a disappointment for them. If they if they only retain the Ashes, if it finishes two all, for example, I think that will be well, particularly given that they're they're two 0 up now, that will be a massive disappointment for them. So, and given the short turnaround to heading, the almost anything's possible. But the emotional. Uh, kind of fatigue from the first two matches, but not least the one at Lords. Going into that, you know, it's probably a dice roll again, and uh, yeah, anything's possible. Um, but suddenly, if, I think if England can get back in the series and put a bit of pressure on, then yeah, I, I think anything is still possible. I don't think it's over. I mean, it could be over after Headingley, couldn't it? So, <laughs> but if England win there, then well, if England know, win there, know. suddenly people will be going, hold on, hold on, and you know, getting excited. Obviously, then if they win the next game as well, yeah, a couple of very big ifs there. But if, you know, then, and it comes down to a shootout, anything can happen. So, but obviously it's one step at a time. But yes, at the moment it's like, oh, it feels over. But if England win at Headingley, 
for all that history is against them, it, you know, it, the the excitement will build. So it's not over in that sense, but it does feel like a very tall order. Um, I, I do know what you mean, that if Australia don't win the series, if it finishes 2 all, they will, I think, feel, uh, and at this point should feel, that that's a disappointment because they haven't won in England since 2001. Um, so that that is a bit of a kind of monkey on the back, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a bit. Of, it, 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 it's a bit of the whole like retaining thing is a bit mm. of a fudge, anyway, isn't it? Because it's if you draw, it's a draw, really. Okay, yeah, yeah. you haven't got your hands back on the ashes, but yeah, they, they no need to other, win the series. If, if England drew with India at home, you wouldn't say, "Well, India have retained the the." <laughs> I can't think what that trophy anyway, is called, but you know what I mean. Retain something, yeah. yeah. So yes, I take that point. But even I mean, that feels a very long way away as well. <laughs> you know, the idea that it's going to be two all. Um, but I do, yeah, I do think these two games have, like this series so far has been on balance very close, I think, that at times in this game, it didn't feel like that, but it's ended up with certainly the margins of victory have been have been pretty narrow in the scheme of things. And I think England have played pretty good cricket apart from a couple of days or a day and a half where it kind of all went wrong. I mean, that said, uh, you, you know, like kind of the sort of the bear you know, well, we'll talk about Bairstow of course in a moment but you know Bairstow hasn't come off yet mm. and there's been question marks about well he's keeping to a certain extent and now kind of question marks you know it, yeah he's been involved in a situation of his own undoing effectively um, you know the bowling has been pretty poor mm. overall or underwhelming based on you know what we've seen in the last kind of 12 months you know, and, and the batting has been a bit has, has been a bit skittish. So I don't know. I mean, it, 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 you, you can make arguments. I no, think, yeah, for, yeah. for all, that's all true. Ways. And I had a, I had very high hopes for Harry Brook coming in, and he's scored some. You know, he's he's played a couple of cameos, hasn't he? But he's as you say, looked very skittish, um, and doesn't look like he really. He's just swinging at everything, and doesn't really look like he's sort of in control of what's of what he's doing. Um, so yeah, it's like definitely flaws in the batting, and and it does increasingly look like they've made some poor decisions here coming in with yeah with you know dropping folks giving best of the gloves bringing about mowing those sorts of decisions have really not paid off um they've got so much credit in the bank coming in that i don't think anyone's sort of on their case about that even still but yeah we may look back and think england didn't blow it exactly but they you know they they didn't help themselves at all, didn't yeah, give exactly. themselves the best possible chance. And on the flip side to that, um, you know, if England don't win the series, which, you know, is looking likely they won't at this point, obviously, um, I don't think that will be a disaster. You know, the, the first two tests have been phenomenal tests um, for various reasons. That You know, they've shown plenty of, you know, they're, they're, they've gone toe-to-toe, to, to quote um, whoever it was after the first test, they've gone toe-to-toe with the best side in the world, mm a year and a bit into Stokes's and McCullough or year and whatever it is, year and a half into Stokes and McCullum's tenure. Um, given that we were coming from what we thought was probably England's, well, England's like probably lowest point mm. since we were, yeah, in single figures age wise. So yeah, I don't know. You know, there's not, yeah, just, yeah. En- just that, enjoy it. I no, think, that's, that's, that's my, that yeah. kind of circles back to the point I was making earlier, which is just, let's not lose sight of how far England have come and like where they were. And so there was, it was annoying me a bit to hear, you know, Agnew kind of going on, on test match special about like they'd thrown it away and stuff because it's like, well, I take your point, but yeah, like let's not like have a go at the strategy, which has brought them so much success and lifted them out of the doldrums. So, 
Um, that has frustrated me a bit. We haven't. We need to come on to Bester, but we haven't talked about Ben Stokes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was a decent innings, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Well, it, this is. There's a lot of hypotheticals when they're being spoken about whether it, whether it was better than Headingley, whether if he'd gone on and seen England home, it would have been better than Headingley. I, I don't know. I don't know if it would have been even if he had. You know, if we'd have won by four wickets, and he'd have finished like what probably 190 odd, mm. it would have been extraordinary but i don't think it still would have been quite as extraordinary as heading the because of the you know the one wicket margin yeah. i think there's that short-term memory thing because yeah. definitely as it was happening i was like this will be way better than headingly if he does it but yeah and also i think some of the shots that he hit some of the big shots he hit headingly were just like jaw-dropping whereas as amazing as it was when he went big before lunch and then you know he was he hit a couple more six afterwards they you know they weren't the kind of he was kind of clothing it a little bit. There was one that absolutely disappeared, but um, I don't know why I'm not trying to do it down. I'm just <laughs> saying like, let's chill out. It's not, it wouldn't, well, it possibly would have been, but it might not have been anyway, whatever. What it was, was unbelievably extraordinary though. Um, I can't remember seeing an innings like that as well, where he, ba- it was basically him against, I mean, often you get it's one player against, you know, the team, obviously when it's a bowling team and a, a single batter who's set, but that whole passage of play where he wasn't like, he was just taking no single, you know, he, he was like working the strike with broad, couldn't really hit boundaries because Australia, they're all back. It was just, it was like utterly gripping. And, it, they, and you know, they got, he got really bogged down and then eventually, you know, when he did go big again, it, it didn't come off and he was caught, but it was like, it, it just felt like it was his game. He was just playing his, you know, it, it was, mm. he basically owned the game. It was his ball. He was running the board. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, yeah, it was. It was. It was ridiculous. It was his ball. Yeah, I mean, and because that Bearstow incident happened as well, it was. It was yeah. a really electrifying passage of cricket. That it was. Yeah, as as gripping as I've seen for quite a long time. Firstly, I think Australia actually did very well in a way that they didn't do at Headingley. They did do very well in drying up, drying him up because yeah, at, at one point it, it was he was just thwacking boundaries like every other ball. And it seemed like, you know, he's going to knock these off in no time. But they did actually dry him up really well. And that built the pressure slowly. But one of the issues there, and again, where England have maybe got things slightly wrong, is that England got such a long tail. Like Stuart Broad at eight is a real problem. So even England had four wickets in hand there. And Stokes is turning down singles, you know. So that's an issue. But anyway, it was... It was also exceptional. Whatever you think of Stuart Broad and what he's done over the years it was wonderful that he was at the crease oh, with him incredible there, drama, it was just, yeah. like, just fantastic <laughs> i loved it yeah it was it was so so watchable but yeah it was an extraordinary innings i mean is there a case do you think for stokes to be an all-time great at this point and you noting that over the years i've sometimes felt that he might be a little bit overrated in the sense that i think still now you can look at his overall record and it's not that great um, and so if you, if you just look at the numbers, it, it looks fairly mediocre. And so he's had like, he's not always been that consistent. He's had quite long periods where he's not done a lot, as has happened in the last year or so. Like this, this is his first score since last August. He does, in terms of like delivering consistently, he's nowhere near being an all-time great. But as a like producer of moments, you know, as in, in, and in terms of sort of rising to the occasion and and delivering the best of himself in crunch moments he's got to be up there i think you know he he's going to be remembered for multiple extraordinary performances 
in big games. Um, and there's not that many other cricketers that you could say that about. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think Ponting said afterwards, didn't he, that, you know, that we, we need to find a way to kind of get, you know, there's got to be something more than num- the numbers. Mm. Well, there's some sort of like, Legend whiz or something. Oh, oh God. Great whiz. Don't talk to me about win whiz. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, great whiz. Whiz, <laughs> whiz. You mean viz? Viz. <laughs> legend viz, you mean. Whatever you call it. Um, win viz, yeah, legend viz. Right. I don't know. Don't talk to me about win viz. Anyway, yeah. Um, Petition to ban win viz from cricket. But, uh, yeah, no, 100%. Um, yeah, what he's given us... I think you can throw in the, the two five eight as well in um, yeah, absolutely. In South yeah. Africa, which at the time was like jaw dropping. Yeah, and well, um, well, he'll never play a better innings than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's what he'll be remembered for. And we I, said. I, yeah, yeah. Well, he's just he he's in the he's kind of in that that room of players as well who are just yeah they just operate just the way he goes about stuff is he's yeah. just he's just built differently, isn't he? And he's. Um, Peterson yeah. used to do like Peterson yeah. did it. He's he's played those sorts of innings, big moment performances. And you think, but, yeah, in our lifetime, you know, or our sort of adult lifetime in terms of all rounders, you know, Flintoff clearly was a great, but he just wasn't. He he, his extraordinary stuff. Almost it was shorter and sweeter, mm-hmm. wasn't it? He didn't, you know, the, the, he didn't score the the the, the yeah. these bigger innings um, that Stokes did or Stokes has. Um, I could get into the weeds here. I would, st- yeah, I would, I would just... still, I, I think Flintoff was a better bowler than Stokes, but yeah, undoubtedly Stokes, the better batsman and the, you know, the, the more um, moments with the bat for sure. Let's finish by talking about Bearstow, but do we, do we quickly just want to deal with the Mitchell Stark catch that wasn't? Yeah, when... I think, I think they are slightly linked as well. Yeah. Cause there's been some utter nonsense <laughs> spoken about this. Like people just like false equivalents be like, well, you know, if, if those people who are like leaning on the letter of the law for the yeah. Stark thing and now, but it's like, again, completely different. The Stark one was just not out. Yeah. Um, Can I just say thought, up yeah. top, we are going to get so many emails this week. <laughs> 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 but, uh, so I'm looking forward to those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so obviously uh, Stark uh, caught Ben Duckett down the leg side, uh, down at fine leg. Duckett was almost back in the pavilion, wasn't he? And then called back because Stark had taken the catch cleanly you know straightforward catch into his hands but then as he fell to the turf he kind of used the ball or with the ball still in his hand put his hand flat down on the on the grass to brace the impact and the ball was on the grass and was deemed to you know to have grounded it Um, and he was very perplexed at the time um, but this did just seem fairly straightforward to me, Tony. It was at no at no point was there any doubt. I didn't think that that is. But when you saw the replay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, in real time, I didn't wouldn't didn't notice. But as soon as you see the replay, it's like, oh, that's definitely down. And yeah, they were like obviously Glenn McGrath was apoplectic about it, and there, there were people questioning that. But it did just seem fairly straightforward to me. I thought I think Maria Erasmus said this, but I saw NASA talking about it on Sky. Like what seemed to, what to me just kind of illuminates it most clearly is had Stark slide, you know, he sort of, he falls to the turf with the ball in his hand. But even if you imagine... But yeah, but he also, it, but he, he takes the catch as he, he sort of, he takes it, but he's already going down as he takes it. So. Yeah. So if he had landed, if he hadn't put the ball on the grass, but he just landed sort of quite, quite normally with his, with his hand up, but had then slid into the boundary rope, everybody would have said, oh, that's a boundary. That's not a catch. No one would have said, well, he had it under control. So the point, what was quite interesting to me was like what the umpire said in the aftermath was, you know, the law says you have to be in control of both the ball 
and your body. And I would not, I wouldn't have known that that's what the law said. And I wouldn't have articulated in that way necessarily. But as soon as you hear that, it's like, oh yeah, that is actually what we all play to. Like we all understand that rule. So Ricky Ponting saying, well, surely slip catches shouldn't count them because they catch it and immediately throw it away. It's completely irrelevant. It's not about how long you have the ball in your hand. It's do you have it under control? Do you have the ball under control in your hand? And are you in control of yourself? I.e., you're not going to roll into the boundary, for example. So if yeah, if if you if Stark had taken the catch, dropped to the floor, slid into the boundary, everyone would have said that's six. Um, but had he caught it and then run off in celebration and jumped over the boundary rope in uh, you know with the ball still in his hand, no one would have said that's six. Does that make sense? It's like because you understand that he is in control of himself at that point. Whereas he's not in control if he's sliding, he's still trying to gather the ball in. So it just seemed to me pretty obvious. I think you can just see in that moment that he's using the ball to stabilize himself and he can't do that. Yeah. And there was some chat about, I'm trying to think who was saying it, it might be Ponting again, that basically, oh, well, if you, if you insist effectively that, that, you know, the hand would have to come under the ball, that there's going to be shoulder injuries and stuff. Well, that's just like, if you, if as players, you know that you've, the ball's got to stay off the ground until you're in control of yourself, then you just can't make like, that's no excuse for getting a shoulder injury. It's like, you'll just have to take the catch in a way that you don't bust your shoulder. Or you you can't take the catch. That's the whole point. It's like, if, if you can't do it in a way that is going to, involve not putting the ball on the turf then you can't take the catch it's like well just don't catch it then does that make yeah, sense or it's you have like, to like slide under it you know yeah, you're using the ball to catch the ball so anyway that that i thought was very straight straight yeah. so the best incident obviously this is you know this is like the biggest story in in the world so everybody knows this but he was uh given out stumped um when Alex Carey threw the ball, threw it at the stumps as Bairstow walked out of his ground, knocked down the stumps and was given stumped. There's a lot to say here, Tone. I've certainly got a lot of opinions. I can turn it over to you. I guess, first of all, as I say, we're going to get a lot of emails. Surprise, surprise, I suppose, of the two controversial incidents, we're on the side of England with both of these. It's been very, very polarising, so it would be good for the podcast if we disagreed, but I don't think we do. Yeah, I don't think we do. I mean, lots of people do. You know, people I respect do, obviously, disagree. Um, Friends, you know, it's divided. Families (laughs) on the dinner table. Um, It's like Brexit all over again. uh, Where do you start? I just, I, I don't know. I actually don't know genuinely where to start. It, clearly, by the letter of the law, it's out, but it's not. Yeah, it, it's it's undoubtedly leaves a bitter taste and isn't. It was. It's just crap cricket. It's not really. It's not part of the sport. And I, I think what kind of a lot has been said. A lot of people have been tweeting. One of the things I think that's telling for me is that no one has been able to produce, as I've seen, footage of an example that's anything like that. Sky in the lunch break showed the de Grandhom, uh, what a de Grandhom incident from last summer. Um, and I suppose you've got to give both the sort of producers and the commentators some leeway, you know, reacting in in real time and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, not, but I, I, but it was a nonsense example to me. It built, bore no resemblance to <laughs> yeah. the incident with Bairstow in this one de Grandhom gets sort of wrapped on the pads. He's kind of playing, he's kind of leaning forward he loses kind of loses track of where the ball is and almost starts to like initiate a run. He takes kind of two or three steps out of the crease, 
sort of doesn't quite know what's happening and the ball's gone off and by which by which well by the time he's turned around to get back in uh, the ball's already flown through and, and the bells are off so that's a, a relevant example it's a completely ludicrous comparison yeah. i didn't understand it at and all. owen morkin as well was just like <laughs> yeah yeah so that was last year shoes on the other foot now so you just gotta put up with it it's like, <laughs> it's like no these are, this is literally an entirely <laughs> different incident yeah. yeah and then sorry just i, I well, yeah, go on for a while yeah. but um then, you know, a lot's been made about Bairstow doing it to Labashain um, earlier in the match. He tried to, yeah. Which, again, is an irrelevant example because it's a completely different situation. Labashain's batting out the crease and Bairstow is, yeah. is, is attempting to, to get him, you know, is attempting to prevent him doing that effectively or, yeah. or get him out. He's trying, he's preventing to, I suppose, punish him, I guess, yeah. for batting out of his crease or now, catch him out from, yeah, for not getting back in time. It's, it, it, is, it is really foolish from Bairstow and it's, it's hard to understand how someone of that experience would do that in a way. It's really hard to explain, but it just, yeah, I've not, no one's produced an example that's anything like it. And so therefore it is a unique situation. It appears to be a unique situation. And people are like, oh, it happens all the time in club cricket. Yeah. It's like, no, it doesn't. No, well, yeah. it does, that doesn't happen in any of the club cricket I play. <laughs> yeah, okay. Keepers will, if batsmen are out of the crease or are, are batting out of their crease, or initiating a run, yes, of course the keeper's going to throw it. I've never seen someone throw a ball or deliberately throw a ball anticipating the batter to leave, to, to basically to think it's over and leave the crease early. I've, I've never seen that happen. Um, so, yeah, I, don't, I just, I don't know. No, there's no good examples that anyone's produced. Um, so, uh, for me, for me, it is sub-man cad or sub-non-striker yeah. run out because... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just seems really stupid. Like it was very, very obvious what Bairstow was doing. You know, he marks, he sort of puts his foot, deliberately strokes his foot behind the, by the crease. And uh, okay, exactly. Carey has released the ball by that point and he, and he wanders out. But you know, like, and they're like, oh, it's just great, just great opportunism from Carey. He'd seen him doing it earlier in the, in the yeah. thing, but I, I haven't quite ascertained whether Carey had seen him doing it at the over early on, or if it was in the middle of an over. I think it was earlier in the over. He'd so, seen him two or three balls. So again, it is a, a completely different situation because at the over is, is a completely different um, point in the in the piece. I mean, you mentioned Mancad, like obviously uh, Mancad is very, very polarizing as well. It's probably falling in almost exactly the same way the people who uh, support what happened and don't. I do think so. I mean, f- firstly, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's no doubt that Johnny Bester was really careless there dozy um and as you say it's clearly out like as soon as it went to the third umpires there was absolutely no doubt what's going to happen here because by the rules of the game by the laws of the game um it is out um but the reason i I mean i was very angry about it i've cooled down now um and but nonetheless there's i'm sure still some emotion coloring this coloring my view because you know i really wanted england to win that game so i you know i'll you know put that on the table that that is part of this but for me i did think it was really poor from australia to appeal that and to not withdraw the appeal the key point for me which i think has been gets missed by the people who are so in favor of this and in some cases very like gleefully there's a weird kind of like yeah there a lot of these people <laughs> who think this are they talk about how they're sort of um, pushing back against people who see themselves as like moral guardians of the game. But there's a weird kind of moral guardianship on their behalf, I think, that they think um, they do seem to take this glee in like, no, you know, no, players should be punished for this sort of thing. The, the key point that I think they're missing is like, 
you've got to take it back almost to the very very basics of cricket like what what is the game what is the what is the concept of being out in at some level it's about the bowler and the fielding team defeating the batsman the the batter i guess and the batter kind of like trying to keep them out or trying to defeat them back i guess you can then sort of drill down into each different mode of dismissal as to how that plays out with stumping like what is what is the reason for having stumping as a possible mode of dismissal i think there are three one is if a batter is trying to to prevent a batter just running a bye like it just goes through to the wicketkeeper and they just set off for a single obviously you know you can allow that that wouldn't work so the wicketkeeper has to have some recourse that they could stump the batsman if they try and do that so that's one two is if they're batting out of their crease to just sort of prevent them gaining an advantage by batting a long way out of their crease or three is if the bowler deceives them in the flight or somehow bowls a good ball that they overbalance and the bowler has sort of achieved the victory there what's happened here is Bairstow I don't think anyone could watch that and argue that Bairstow didn't think it was over you can say it was careless but clearly he thought the ball was dead so it's not exactly they've not exactly tricked him but they've they've capitalized on a misunderstanding and that is not what the game is so like yes by the laws of the game by the laws of cricket it's out but the reason and I think people get bogged down in like the spirit of cricket and it's just not cricket and all of that and they they a lot of people don't like that and understand why because there seems to be there is a sort of moral guardianship about that or almost like an elitism that it's like oh that you know come on old boy that's not cricket so I, I I don't like to I don't like that terminology um but the reason why it just feels very very cheap is because you haven't actually you know defeated him through cricket you've just benefited from him from a misunderstanding um and some people will say well that's his fault and you know them's the rules but I just don't like that and there could be like a cultural difference. Well, I think there definitely is like a cultural difference at play here that maybe just a different way that people are brought up to play cricket in England and Australia. Maybe in Australia is more like just play to the whistle and do whatever it takes to win. And to a certain extent, okay, fair enough. But I would at least hope that they could understand why it's, why we feel the way we do because I, I not in some like our oh, cricket is special way but I just there is a kind of principle of fairness and a principle of like playing the game like I don't care if you like if I'm if I was on a team where that happened against me I'd be really upset about it because I think I don't mind losing but play cricket <laughs> if, you, if if I'm gonna lose I want to lose playing cricket not through some sort of yeah what feels like a cheap trick which is maybe not the right way of putting it but it's kind of the the sentiment uh it's just yeah no i think the the, the glee the word glee that you use is, is absolutely spot on there is a kind of there's a there's a fur i don't know that people just love to bash anyone who don't, like who isn't just i don't know it's, yeah there's a really weird there's a weird undercurrent of like chip oh, chippiness is maybe not the right word but I don't, just people love man cats yeah and I just don't get it. Even if you like think that it should be allowed, I don't get why people love it so much. And they, they people seem to enjoy, yeah, getting one over on the, and it, it turns into this kind of like class divide yeah. or like, yeah, I just don't really get it. Um, as I say, to me, something like this, 
it just doesn't it really really doesn't feel right um I mean, I mean, let's be honest, There's, you know, there would be, a, I'm sure, a lot of people in that camp who would be very, I don't know, maybe they wouldn't be, but like, who'd be very cynical and judgmental about deception in other sports, diving in football or, or whatever. Um, and this isn't like, it's not, it's, it's not, dis, it's not the same in any way, but it's, it, it's not, it's in the same sort of genre of like, it's, it's just not, you know, you're not playing the, it's not the game, mm. as you said. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it, it, I'm sure it'll rumble on and on. I mean, it, it partly. I've also called off something. No, I was like, I wasn't raging, but I was, I was getting overexcited, possibly uh, in reaction to the reaction. Um, but in the, the kind of sort of David Pleat way, or was it David Pleat, or you know, P, sort of football commentators who, would, if there were any sort of handbags, would say like, "Oh, we don't want to see this." Yeah, it's like oh, we definitely like. It was enthralling after that, yeah. and you know what happened with the long room and the players walking through there again. I don't know exactly what was said. Uh, I haven't read, uh, you know, whether or not any of the comments that were made either way kind of overstepped the mark or were, were, were truly unpleasant other than being like, obviously overstepping the MCC mark. Mm. I mean, it was, it was pretty embarrassing to a certain extent um, what happened there. But again, it was like, that was awesome to see. Like, it was just like, uh, well, awesome to see, but it was, it was so... It's certainly memorable. Exactly. Just so like out of what anyone has ever seen before. Like, that it was people like, will remember yeah, this series. Yeah. It's and like remember great, things like that. Great ashes fodder. So, mm. um, yeah. I mean, look, like Stokes and, well, um, Brendan McCullum afterwards said like, oh, it'll be a while before they, you know, they share a beer together. They will, of course, at some point. Yeah. And, it, you know, it'll be kind of forgotten and, and everyone, you know... Um, yeah. Alex Carey will be a legend at some point. But yeah, but <laughs> I did in, enjoy in, Broad telling him that yeah. that's all he'll be remembered for. In the moment, though, um, yeah, it, it, I don't know. It's just it's it's great. It it is great entertainment. So yeah, so I'm sort of am I? Well, because the alternative probably was that England were going to lose by quite a lot of runs. Mm. Um, so whether or not it had what impact it had on Stokes's um, mentality and, and, and innings, well, it's possible. Say. And, it, and, and it, then obviously Broad coming in and just being an absolute like pain. Uh, was fantastic. So yeah, yeah it was it was yeah. So yeah. In, in a sense, it's like it's good that it happened, um, and yeah, and clearly it wasn't like a pivotal moment in the match. Like England were going to lose anyway, as you say. Possibly, if anything, they got a bit closer than they would have done otherwise. But it, I just, just in terms of in, in the incident on its own merits, I yeah, I I'm afraid. I mean, I, don't, I was going to say, I don't know if it. This might be a bit strong. Whether it sort of taints the Australian victory, but it. They like Pat Cummins and others have seemed like slightly kind of affronted or certainly like bemused or giving the impression or trying to give the impression that they're bemused by the reaction and they don't really understand what all the fuss is about. But I I don't know how uh, genuine that is. But if it is, yeah, again, maybe it does come back to a cultural difference. But for me, I just think it's fairly common, <laughs> like it's fairly obvious to me, like why that is a cheap thing to do. And at the end of the day, if that's if you're happy to win that way, um, if if you just want to win at all costs, then good luck to you. But you can't be surprised if you get booed or if yeah. if if you're not respected for the way you do it. Because to me, that isn't something that I can respect. Well, also, I mean, Spence, it's so hard. And I, I did a, I listened to the Wisdom Pod and um, Butcher Mark Butcher was saying that you know it's all well and good for Stokes and McCullum and particularly Stokes to have said, Oh, you know, I would have done it different. I would have, I would have thought this. And I kind of, to a certain extent, I do agree with it. It's really hard to know what you've done mm. in that circumstance, but it's not like there haven't been controversial things in the past. And I'm not, you know, 
there's any number of whatabouts and kind of things that have happened, but maybe this is just like, this is massive race tinted glasses, but, or massive, um, what's the word? Um, being like overly optimistic about humanity. But in a way, like given the, the background of this Australian team and, and a lot of the players involved, there was an opportunity there to do something which they would have been then, even had they won, they probably would have been patted on the back mm. all the way through the long room. Not that they're looking for yeah. the, you know, the, 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 uh, the well wishes of the MCC, but they, you know, they could have walked off that field, probably won the game handsomely and been considered and kind of elevated themselves yeah. in, in the kind of the, yeah, amongst everyone. But I agree with and that. I, I don't, whether that's possible to think in those terms at the time mm. or whether you'd even go out to a pitch thinking, Oh, well, you know, if something happens, I'm going to be the, I'm going to try and look good. But anyway, you know, no, I think that's a good point. I mean, the, the point about whether it, you know, if, if the, if it had been the other way around, if Bairstow had done that to Steve Smith, would England have withdrawn the appeal? What would the crowd have thought of that? Would the crowd have booed England if they hadn't? Obviously not. And like, would I be as upset about it? Again, like clearly my emotion is colouring this. I've got to admit that I wouldn't have been as upset. I like to think that England wouldn't do that and that Stokes would withdraw the appeal. And I definitely wouldn't have liked it if England did that because to me, like, I really can't stand it. You know this tone about me that when we're playing like five-side football if somebody like it's happened to me before where I've like kicked the ball and it's bounced off the opponent's knee and gone out for a throw in and I've gone to get the ball and the referee gives the decision the other way and the opposition player goes and takes the throw in and I'm just like I get so angry because I'm like you know that that is our throw in so that kind of it just really really winds me up because again it's like beat beat me by playing football don't beat me by this sort of stuff so I, I, I know that I would be upset with England if they did that but it's true to say that I wouldn't have been thinking about it all day. Like if England had done that and got away with it, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have ruined my birthday <laughs> in the way that this has. So that is yeah. all like at play here as well. But yeah, my, I'm just clearly we're going to get a lot of emails. Clearly a lot of people listening to this do not agree with this. Um, but for me, I can only call it how I see it and how I felt. And I just really didn't like it at all. And I, I thought it was pretty poor. Yeah. We've gone a lot longer yeah, than we we're planned way to, longer, Tate, yeah. so we should probably wrap this way up. Longer. There's just so much to talk about, though. What, what do you think for the next... We've said... I've asked you already if you think the Ashes is over. I mean, what... England have obviously got to win the next game. What what kind of percentage would you put on that? <laughs> I don't know. It comes very soon. It's literally only three days off and then yeah. straight back in on Thursday. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what they do. But... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> basically i don't know anyone knows really anyone knows you can speculate obviously and that's mostly what we're doing here. clearly nobody knows do they <laughs> you know what i mean though i do but this is as like we don't even know what's gonna happen like you know there's so many permutations yeah, variables um in terms of like the team the fitness, mentality yeah. fitness like emotional mm. energy um weather injuries it's gonna be fun. It's exciting. It's exciting. You've, I can see you've kind of hit a wall there. You're just you're thinking about your turf. You're not gonna go and turn the sprinkler. You've got a lot to sort out with the turf out there. Let, so let's leave it there. I guess. Thanks for having me round tone. I've enjoyed this. Have it's I? Good. It's been good to get it off my chest. I guess. We but, really uh, need one of us to go sort of pro <laughs> non-striker run out pro <laughs> kind of pro <laughs> bullshit. Be, really, to make it'd be better like. for the podcast. Yeah, it'd be better for the it'd do better numbers. I'm sure. <laughs> be, be good for the numbers yeah that's what it's all about at the end of the day maybe should, should we re-record this but with me taking the other <laughs> the other view I thought it was yeah. great I think all day long all day long Pat yeah 
All right, Tone. Well, thanks for your time. Uh, let's leave it there, and we'll be back after Headingley. Bye for now. Jerry, happy birthday. Thanks. Smell your fear, ba da da ba 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 da da ba.